Hello and welcome to Fragments of the Soul with me, Katie Fishlock. Joining me today, I have Kyati, my dear friend and mentor, and we're going to be discussing the thinking environment. Hello, Kyati, and welcome, welcome to the podcast. As I always do, I'm going to launch straight in, launch straight in and ask you to introduce yourself to everyone so everyone can know a bit more about you and who you are. Thanks, Katie. Thanks for having me. Um, So I'm Kyati. I've been in the learning and development space for about 20 years now. Uh, I design and facilitate learning experiences. I'm also an executive coach. Um, And the hat that I wear professionally that I'm most excited about is I'm also a faculty member for Time to Think. Uh, So I offer courses in the thinking environment. Um, And before I moved into learning and development, I was in the world of order and finance. So it's a bit of a switch, but I never looked back. (laughs) And uh, that's a little bit about me professionally. Personally, I live in Singapore. I've been here for 20 over years with my husband, and we were both uh, born and raised in Hong Kong. That's where we met. Uh, but my family's originally from India. So that's a little bit about myself. And I've been so looking forward to this one because you, I hold you very dearly to my heart because our journey together is you, you have been my guide and teacher, and you have taught me more, more things than I could list, quite frankly. You certificated me, I can never say that word, certificated me as a coach um, back in 2022, over a year ago now, in something called the thinking environment, if I'm to think. This is where this podcast is going to go, because I we've discussed many a times that a thinking environment is a very hard thing to explain, and it's much more of a experiential thing. We're going to have a good go. We're going to have a good go at explaining it and uh let's let's begin where shall we begin let's begin on a very brief summary of what a thinking environment is i'm going to hand that one over to you i will try because as you mentioned it's really something to be experienced um and the way i usually sort of introduce it you know on my courses or when i'm trying to describe it to someone who's hearing about it for the first time the things i like to mention is i definitely like to mention nancy klein uh, because uh, she is the one whose body of work it is and uh, over sort of 35 years uh, nancy became very interested in how we can create the conditions for people to do their best thinking and uh, what our singular purpose is, which we refer to, uh, is our commitment to one another's uh, independent thinking. So that's what we're particularly interested in, and that's our context in our thinking environment. And uh, over sort of the decades of research, you know, led by Nancy and you know the collegiate, uh, we have discovered what we now refer to as the ten components. That when the ten components are present and being embodied, then we are creating the conditions uh, of a thinking environment. We are creating the conditions for people to do their best independent thinking. So these 10 components are ways of being, uh, actionable behaviors, uh, and we can talk more about that. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the 10 components as well. Uh, But if I had to sort of say one thing that um, best describes how the, the 10 components 
come to be, so to speak, is the finding or the observation that the way people are treated while they are thinking has a profound impact on their quality of thinking, which was one of Nancy's early observations. So that's um, what the 10 components are. They are sort of treating one another well so that we can do our best thinking. That's a little bit about the thinking environment. What do you think? Oh my goodness. It's the minute you said, it was really fresh for me. I'm just, I must have heard it a thousand times before, but it sounded really fresh. Um, how you, was it how you treat people whilst, whilst they're thinking? Say that again, because I've just butchered that. What was it? Mm -hmm. um, the way people are treated while they are thinking has a profound impact on the quality of their thinking. The one. That's the one. Uh, and I think that has profoundly changed me, my life, and the relationships I've had with my family, actually. It's learning this. And the minute I changed that communication style, I saw, you know, it blossomed and it really, really helped. Uh, and I, I, we can do, dig into that later. We can dig into that le later. But let's touch upon the 10 components. Components. What is, why are they so important? What, what really are they? And why does it fit into the thinking environment? And we can, we can open up a conversation about that. I've got experience with this too, so have you, and it'd be great to kind of like, kind of put those into perspectives a bit more. Let's go. What are your freshest thoughts on that? Nice. Um, yeah, I think it'd be great to start sort of unpacking what uh, some of the components are. And I think the first one that everyone likes to talk about is a component of attention. Uh, so it's described as listening with interest. Uh, and without interruption as to where someone's thinking will go next. So just sort of absorbing that and, and reflecting on what it would be like to be listened to with such rapt interest or fascination and just even conceptually getting a sense of how that would make me feel and how special or how you know well treated that would make me feel that if I really truly believe that the person listening to me at this point in time is absolutely fascinated in what not just I'm thinking about, but what I'm going to think about and how that would fuel and encourage my thinking and, and support me in going even further and even further uh, in my own thinking. Because, you know, in, in a way, it's, it's just such an exquisite quality of attention that I feel I'm being treated to. Um, and then, of course, is that that promise, which, you know, is, is the title of Nancy's latest book, you know, the promise that changes everything that uh, I, during that listening, uh, I'm not going to be interrupted. And uh, I'm not going to get lucky and not be interrupted. But I know, I just know for sure, I'm not going to be interrupted. And it's that knowing for sure that you're not going to be interrupted that has also been observed um, to make such a difference to people's thinking and the quality of their thinking. That's a little bit about the component of attention. Um, what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak for, for the listeners here. You know, non-interruption and being completely entranced with what people are thinking and, and to watch their thinking and feel the thinking on, on where it goes. It's really hard. It's really hard because we are not, we are not taught that and we are not conditioned to do that at all. It's, it goes against everything that what well, most of us, it goes against with, with what we know and express. And it's something that once I... I kind of embodied that. That's what, when I saw 
my relationships flourish and change. But I feel that, you know, I just want to say to everyone that's listening that it's okay if you do those things. This is absolutely okay. We all do. And it's and it's just raising awareness to how profound those small changes can be for for people and I just wanted to say that because I just think it's magnificent hearing you say that but also it's okay if you currently do those things because it's completely natural over to you yeah I I know because until I came to the thinking realm I didn't even think about (laughs) the fact that I do you know it's just it's such forgivable behavior in most cases. And then the more you get used to both not interrupting and not being interrupted, the more, well, at least for me, I felt I went from one end of of seeing it as, oh, I didn't even notice, to, you know, the other end of the spectrum thinking, oh, gosh, how unforgivable, unforgivable when we do it, just because, you know, of, of what it means to do it, and what it means not to do it, you know, just, just, you know, there's this this beautiful thing that Nancy says, you know, that, um, you know, it's the minute we interrupt, it's, it's like what I have to say is more important than whatever you were saying. Mm-hmm. And then the inequality that comes into the conversation or the relationship as a result of that interruption, you know, if that is the case, and then it's, 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 it's suddenly the, the, the depth of that commitment, you know, just sort of comes more and more alive, the more you practice it. And it's almost sort of, like I said, you go from it being, you know, sort of behavior you didn't even think about to just, you know, you you almost feel like you're committing such a trespass, you know, after you do it, when you do. And and it's so hard. And and the one, it's interesting, you mentioned family earlier. And I'm thinking the time I do it most is with family. So I'm the opposite. You know, I, I think I find it hardest sometimes to create thinking environments for loved ones because, you know, we're so emotionally invested in in the direction and flow of their thinking, you know, it's so interconnected to to your thinking and your life that it's so hard to not interrupt, you know, and then it starts making me think about, oh gosh, does that mean there's so much inequality uh, in those relationships when you think they're relationships with the ones that you loved most? So yeah, there's there's so much to to reflect on when it comes to non-interruption and, and all kinds of non-interruption, not just, you know, verbally not interrupting people, but in what other ways do we interrupt people um, from being, you know, sort of their their true best selves? What do you think? Oh, you have just summed that up so beautifully. I couldn't have done any better. I want to just, I want to move on to the next one. What's the next one? What's the next uh, component? The 10? Well, I mean, it's, it's not like a list and there's, you know, sort of an order to the components. But I mean, the other one that comes to mind for me, uh, which in a way, and this is the thing you find that the components are, you know, you can describe them individually, but they really, you know, sort of, uh, you know, work in partnership with one another. But the one that I've already sort of referenced when you describe attention is, is equality, you know, just regarding one another as, as, as thinking peers, you know, and, and, and truly really believing that we have an equal capacity to think well for ourselves um, uh, is another one that comes to mind. Um, and, and I mean, then that just sort of reminds me of the component of appreciation, mm-hmm. you know, where, where you look for, you notice what is good and, and, and you say it, you acknowledge it. Um, so not, not just I think about people, but about situations, you know, anything, just just going through life with that appreciative lens and being able to hold that for yourself as well. So to be able to practice self-appreciation as well and just 
and imagining what that would do for the quality of your thinking if we could do that, if we could embody that. Um, so those are sort of a couple more that come to mind. <laughs> what about you? I love the the one you said about equality because that can be a really tricky one. I think that's one of one of the trickiest ones too, particularly, um, you know, when we're thinking and communicating and we can, I think we we can all be a bit guilty. And I think this is definitely seen in family communication and relationships when we can sometimes get a little bit high and mighty. And or if we're talking about something that only we know about um, or that we know a lot about, we can sometimes get a little bit. Uh, I, I'm certainly guilty of this sometimes, too. And we we do forget that, you know, to give each other a an equal playing field when we're thinking. And it's it's that respect we sometimes forget about. And I think this is what you mentioned and talked about then is a great reminder, particularly when it comes to thinking we're all in, equal. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's I mean, like all of them, I think, but, you know, it's one one it's one that I find very hard to practice, you mm -hmm. know, like there's so many times where especially I feel if my attention is being compromised um, or I'm in the presence of, you know, which is another component difference. Um, and for me, that difference is challenging me, then can I continue to presence the component of equality? You know, those are the ones that I'm usually confronted by and challenged um, by do you think i think it's just so lovely to talk about how beautiful can we call it a style of communication is it a style of communication the thinking environment i think that's how we sort of experience and observe it because communication is you know sort of you know the iceberg or the part of the iceberg that you can see um but as they are ways of being it does sort of you know that communication style does then sort of stem from almost like, I mean, even mindset feels like it's still sort of not right at the bottom of the iceberg, because even your mindset comes from, you know, just sort of your whole way of being and whatever that means to you, you know, the different faculties that you have or the different aspects of your being that you have that are then sort of translating into an attitude or a mindset, which is then translating into observable behavior, words you use, um, you know, actions, um, interactions that are then sort of felt or experienced on the back of truly how you feel both about yourself and other people. What do you think? Oh, again, you've summed that, summed that one up so beautifully. I just want to, as, as you were talking then, I, the question in my head kind of once you finished popped up was, I really would love to know, I think it would be your journey, your personal journey with the thinking environment and how almost like a before and after paint a little bit of a picture of that for, for us. That would be really, really, really good. Yeah, happy to. Um, for me, the before and after feels more like not so much the before and after of, you know, before I heard about it and after I started studying it. It's more sort of before I experienced it formally, you know, in, in sort of packaged this way. Um, and then after I was like, oh, okay, so all those, you know, sort of life experiences or ways of being or ways of thinking, someone has <laughs> referred to or, 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 you know, sort of, you know, sort of put it, uh, packaged it as a body of work that is known as the thinking environment. So there were so many things that felt familiar, felt like, you know, sort of almost, you know, ancient wisdom. Uh, that you'd already 
sort of been guided by. Um, I mean, the one that sort of comes to mind is just honestly the the singular commitment to independent thinking. I've I've always always thought of myself as as very independent, um, and and then when I came across the thinking environment, I thought, okay, so so. I now can unpack a little bit more what I mean by that independence. And it's this idea that I, I truly believe in my capacity to think well for myself. And I've, I've feel, I feel lucky that, you know, I sort of grew up believing that, you know, despite circumstances that were challenging, you know, I, I really thought that I can make good decisions for myself. You know, I, I can, I can do that for myself. And then, then to find out that wow, that's a, that's a commitment or a practice to independent thinking and thinking well for yourself. So there were these these things that you know when when I sort of learned about the thinking environment that felt um, familiar, mm -hmm. reconnecting with, or, or or you know, sort of ex being explained in a way that felt very accessible, very familiar. Um, the other one that comes to mind also is difference. I felt like I've always benefited from difference. And, you know, to, to again, learn explicitly that, well, it's one of the components that creates the conditions for you to think well. And I think, well, again, how lucky that I've always been surrounded by or welcomed difference in my life. And I mean, there's still so much more work to do uh, when it comes to, you know, truly practicing that. But that was something else that felt uh, very familiar appreciation felt very familiar to me um, encouragement felt very familiar to me as well as a component that you know we can really give one another courage to go further in our thinking so there were there were so many things that felt very familiar there were ones that I have to be honest I had to sort of like I said you know like like being very comfortable interrupting to then sort of realizing that, oh gosh, of course, that's that's not going to be creating the conditions. And then sort of, you know, recovering from that behavior or that bad habit of, of interruption. So there were ones that were sort of, um, but, but, it, but it felt right. You know, it didn't feel challenging from the perspective of, you know, selling it to myself. You know, it, it just felt like, oh, okay, that, that I can do <laughs> because that makes sense. What do you think? I was exactly the same. I'm I'm quite uh I relished in the opportunity to ind independently think without interruption. And what that looks like in an actual thing, just to give everyone a bigger picture, is it normally happens all the time. It happens you can have a, even in a group, but one to one, the other person, your partner, as we, we call it, your thinking partner, remains in silence until you give an indication for them to speak. Uh, which I took to like a duck to water. I, I loved that. I relished that. I just, it, for me, it felt like finally having the stage to myself for once. <laughs> and I just loved it and just loved the, the opportunity to invite the person to speak once my own thinking has um, stopped. And you would probably pick that up in this conversation because every time we, we stop speaking, because Katie and I are old hats at this, we we say over to you or what do you think and that invites the other people to speak so if you listen carefully or if you go back to and listen to this conversation again you will pick up this is actually a thinking environment what we're doing here and we're not interrupting each other and uh, you know i love that for me it was it was it was just so refreshing and i just took to it uh what i will say though 
I think it'd be really interesting for us to talk about is that sometimes that can be really scary for some people. The the silence, uh, not having someone, you know, someone hold that silence for you can be quite daunting. In the same way, like having a whole stage and audience and a spotlight can be quite daunting. Um, like I said, some people, like myself, took to it completely. And but I have, as a coach, um, partnered with people that find that silence and uh, non-interruption, non-interruption quite vast and big and scary. Um, and maybe we could talk a bit about that as well um, and why that's the case. So I'm going to hand that one back over to you. Thanks, Katie. Yeah, I I think it is because of what we're used to. You know, it's sort of we're so used to interruption, to input, um, advice. You know, it's it's and, and it's not always a bad thing. You know, we want all those things. You know, sometimes we welcome input, you know, but it's sort of how is it offered or are there assumptions around when it's offered, whether it's even needed or whether it's even welcomed and and what am I assuming when I interrupt or offer someone input about their ability to arrive at what they need to arrive at for themselves? Um, so to just reconnect with, you know, your question, it's, it is again, you know, what we're used to and what we're not used to. And, and the more used to it we are, uh, the more we welcome it and the more unfamiliar it is just because we haven't been treated to it in the past, then we're more, most, most likely to find it very, almost even unsafe, even though it's sort of trying to create so much safety, we might even find it unsafe and, and even maybe lonely. Um, I don't think it gets interrupt, uh, interpreted as lack of interest I, because, you know, the, the silence, if, you know, if someone is truly committed to being, you know, a great thinking partner, the silence is actually so alive, you know, because they're so fascinated, they're so interested um, that it might sometimes even be like, you know, incredulous, I think, you know, even sort of like this can't be for real, you know, that is this person really that committed? To listening to me, so there could be so many reasons that that people find it daunting. Um, again, back due to our own past experiences of how we were or weren't listened to. What do you think? Oh, again, you've done that one up beautifully, and it kind of. I want to take a little bit of what you said, and start talking about advice. I don't think we can talk about the Vinkium environment without talking about advice. This brings up a story for me of introducing my mum to the thinking environment. Uh, I love my mum to bits and my mum has ADHD. So conversations are quite chaotic for her. And to sit her down for long enough is is uh, is always a challenge. Oh, her communication and has changed dramatically due to the thinking environment. And what she used to say and her argument was... As a, as a listener, as a thinking partner, she would say, I can hold the silence, but the reason why I interrupt is because if I don't say what I'm, I want to say, I'll forget what I want to say. That was always her reasoning for interruption. She was like, I've got to say this thing because I'll forget. And you're talking about this thing right now and I have something to say and I will forget. If I keep quiet and wait till the end, I will forget what I want to say. 
and I bring that one up because it's such I've heard that one not only from her from from a couple of other people too and it's always really interesting because then it kind of feeds into you know what what you really so burning in that in that question you want to ask and interrupt is probably nine times out of ten a piece of advice or an, an opinion of some kind and that doesn't really fit into the thinking environment and I just want you to kind of talk a bit about why why that's the case <laughs> over to you yeah there's so much there that you know I feel like is inspiring thinking for me um but if I sort of think about uh, advice, it, it goes back to uh, our commitment to someone's independent thinking, and uh, and it, it's so easy to 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 sometimes forget that commitment. You know, even I sort of think that uh, my courses would be even more effective if I kept reminding myself and one another of you know the commitment. Look, we're here because we're committed to independent thinking. And suddenly, when you sort of reconnect with that, then suddenly you know so much makes sense. Like, okay, well then you know where does where does advice fit in if at all you know into into that commitment into that practice into that almost dedication to it um because you know advice is 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 telling people how to think and and you know the both they just don't go together if i'm committed to your capacity to think well for yourself it's almost like the last thing I would want to do is give you advice, you know, and, and, and it's, and it's so funny because it goes back to those, those things that I was already committed to before I came to the thinking environment. Advice was one of them. I used to always feel so uncomfortable when people would sort of talk to me about, you know, deeply personal and, and, and intricate and complex situations and be like, you know, what do you think I should do? And, and, you know, for years, I didn't understand my level of discomfort with that. I thought, is it, am I worried about, you know, getting it wrong? Am I worried about saying something insensitive? And, and, and then, you know, like I said, when I came to think, I realized, oh, gosh, you know, I really, really did always believe, why on earth would you think I would have a better idea than you of, of what you need to do, what you're grappling with? Or like, like, it just, it just didn't even make the possibility didn't enter my mind that I would have something better to offer them than they would have to offer themselves. And it was always with me. And it's just when I, you know, came across the thinking environment, I realized that, oh, it was a, it was just a, a discomfort with advice that um, I was sitting with all those years. Um, yeah, thinking, what do you think <laughs> about advice? You know, I, I felt the same. And I, I, I think this leads on so beautifully to how the thinking environment, independent thinking brings you to your own advice. And there's this magical moment of you, you're in a partnership, you're, you're partnering with someone and that could be a friend, a spouse, a coach. You're in this environment where they give you the full attention, you've got non-interruption, all, all, the, all the components are there. And what happens is, um, if you've never experienced this, I'm going to try my best to explain this, musing upon something that you want to think about. And then your partner tends to push you deeper into your thinking by offering a question like, what more do you think of the other one to say? And that push you deeper into your thinking and you think for longer and deeper, which doesn't really happen because as we touched upon many a time so far, we live in worlds of interruptions and not really celebration of independent thinking. And then somehow, and I'm going to hand this back over to you because you explain this way better than me. 
we end up landing to on our own advice and we end up landing on beautiful moments of kind of revelation and our partner has only opened only opened and i say that as in this is such a great thing they've they've offered us the space and the time to do that and i would love to hand that one back over to you and explain that in a little bit more detail than i have and how that happens how do we come to our own advice and questions and understandings in this thinking environment mm, such a great question katie I mean, the, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is, is the observation that um, it's, it's like the brain or the mind that has generated, you know, the, the question or, or the problem is, is sort of the best one to solve it. Um, because it's it sort of, you know, it contains everything it needs. Um, and it's almost sort of like, you know, we just need to sort of, you know, prepare the land or the soil and, and water it and, and, you know, tend to it. And then it, it, it has everything it needs um, to, to sort of bear fruit, you know, is what I think. I think there's so many things going on. I'm just reflecting back to my experiences where I've benefited from a thinking partner that has, that has you know, helped me unravel something that I didn't realize I had, you know, the answer to. It was just, and not even just, I mean, it was that that commitment to me, that that welcome of me, um, that presence, you know, that, that something is going to come alive because I'm going to do it in the presence of someone else. I'm going to say it in the presence of something else. So it's, it's, it's go on, you know, someone else is, you know, sort of like, you know, you're, you're giving someone the rope they need to sort of, you know, go a little bit closer to the edge, because you know that you won't fall because there's a rope, you know, and someone else is attached to the other end of it. Um, so there's, there's so many things that are happening there that makes you think, and it just makes it more human, the experience as well, you know, I mean, I, I do so much amazing thinking on my own as well. So I don't want to take away from the fact that we can create th great thinking environments for ourselves as well. But when I do it in the presence of someone else, it also just feels more human that I've I've shared or voiced that complexity in the presence of someone else. And it just makes me feel more human uh, as a result. Uh, I, I think there's something there as well. What do you think? Thank you for that. I, uh, one thing that came up for me actually is there's something so powerful i mean i think it's 10 times more powerful when you reach your own answer or advice within you rather than it coming from externally it what i mean by more powerful it seems to hang around a bit longer <laughs> i've experienced this myself when i've had um a problem I, i'm trying to solve in either my work or personal life and I've taken it into a thinking environment after some time sometimes I'm just going to say sometimes it takes a couple of hours in a thinking environment I'm not you know sometimes it takes 20 minutes and sometimes it takes a couple of hours so be prepared but it's when you come to answer or assumption that you've been living as true we can touch on that one in a minute when you've discovered that within yourself it's way more powerful and i've noticed that things i've been struggling with and i've got to be honest some in some cases for years 
I've had some things come up in a thinking environment and I've been like, oh my, oh my God, I've spent hundreds, if not thousands of pounds in therapy on this one question. And it was deep, deep inside me all along. So yeah, I'm just gonna, uh, I I just wanted to mention how, how wonderfully powerful it is when you get to your own answers and advice. I'm gonna have this one back over to you. And I said something within that, which was assumptions that are being lived as true. And I'm going to hand that one back over to you and and for you to explain exactly what that is and how that works up and how does that fit into a thinking environment? Happy to. Um, I'm also connecting to what you said about, you know, the when it comes from within, you know, definitely. I, I mean, I experience it. You know, there's something neurologically shifting when it comes from within, you know, that you can almost feel the rewiring happening when it comes from within, you know, and you birthed it. Um, and, and you also experience those, you know, those physiological sensations, you know, the goosebumps, the hair on your end, you know, the, 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 the electric signal down your spine, you know, you, you, you do experience those neurological shifts because they came so from within, you know, your inner recesses. Um, so the assumption one is 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 so yummy. <laughs> it's, it's probably the one that is, um, in a way, the most um, intricate to to describe and explain and um, teach and and understand uh, conceptually. So one of the findings is that often um, a block to our thinking can be not not always, but uh, an untrue assumption that is being lived as true. And, um, and then we, you know, one of the components is also incisive question. So, you know, this is when, you know, the mind is able to free itself of such limiting uh, assumptions in order to think well for itself. So um, that's what a thinking session or a thinking partnership, which you referred to is an opportunity to, if, if that is what the need of the thinker is, is to sort of surface um, your limiting assumptions and then identify the one that is most stopping you or blocking you from, from your outcome. Uh, and, you know, the finding is that it's an untrue one that is being lived as true. So it's sort of searching for that limiting assumption. And then when you are able to uh, surface it and identify it, uh, the, the mind seems to in this, what we you know refer to as, as this um, very natural, organic, innate breakthrough process is, is able to test it for truthfulness. So it's able to, you know, ask itself when it has those conditions to think well for itself, it's able to, to confront it, you know, that, you know, is this true? Do I think this is true? Uh, you know, offering us an opportunity to then, you know, dismiss it, you know, if the evidence just no longer stacks up for us, or we have an opportunity to see that the evidence no longer stacks up for us and then replace that limiting assumption with something more liberating, you know, and there's, there's, there's more that uh, happens uh, in, in some situations when that is how we're able to break through in our thinking. So that's a little bit about limiting assumptions. Again, you know, just even describing it, I'm aware of how it can, it can sound a little bit intellectual, but when, when, but, but, but we're doing this all the time. It's not, it's not sort of a creative methodology. We are doing it. It's just making sometimes the implicit or the instinctive explicit. Uh, so that's what sort of, you know, this body of work or the courses allows us to learn about is like, oh, how, how are we doing this? And 
what is happening when we're able to do this for ourselves and to just learn about that more explicitly and be aware about that uh, more explicitly. What do you think? <laughs> You're exactly right. You've, you've done such an excellent job of that. It's, you know, a lot of the things that we're talking about here is... Uh, it's experiential, <laughs> you know, at the very beginning when we started recording this podcast, we both looked at each other and we said, we're going to give this a go, but it's a very, it's not until you try it until you fully understand it. But um, one thing that popped up for me actually, which was, this was quite a difficult thing for me to learn and embrace in a thinking environment is at the end, once once the thinking is all said and done, we offer appreciation. Firstly, that's that's something I hold my hands up. I, I oh, it feels really uncomfortable saying this, but it's something that I I wouldn't really do all that often. In a thinking environment, we always end with appreciation. I would love to get your thoughts on on why 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 is that, and go from there. And I can probably jump back in and say why it was so difficult for me, but. I would love for you to hear your thoughts on the appreciation bit at the end. I, th I think I think many people would say it's difficult to to practice or embody that component. And I think sometimes it just goes back to you know when we're talking about the sciences, how much of it we've been treated to ourselves um, can sometimes be the case. I, not always, but I think it can also be the case sometimes that if we're not used to receiving it, we find it harder to to offer it and give it. Uh, sometimes I think we're also limited um, by by language because appreciation is 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 saying it is acknowledging it you know explicitly and 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 you know one of the most common ways to do that is is through language through words and so sometimes our challenge with offering appreciation is we we just can't articulate in words what we might be experiencing so it's not that we don't feel or experience the appreciation, you know, we have that capacity, we just don't know how to articulate it. I'll put words to it. Um, sometimes it's, and within that, there's a lot of other barriers, you know, language barriers, there might be some, you know, some cultural tendencies that are also getting in the way of that. Um, those are some of the things that come to mind. Also, you know, for it to be effective, you know, the the findings are that it needs to be succinct, sincere and specific. So sometimes, you know, we may be really good at, you know, sort of just, you know, rambling through it, but it's going to be really sort of land with someone if if we offer it sincerely, specifically and succinctly, because it's, it's memorable then, it's credible then, they can hold on to it. Um, which is, you know, coming to maybe the other thing that you were talking about is is is, is why appreciation. It's It's to you know, if, if we're trying to create the conditions for people to do their best thinking, um, being appreciated or being treated well that way explicitly uh, allows someone to ground, you know, good thinking into that experience of appreciation. You know, it's sort of this, this, this celebration, this explicit celebration of their inner qualities that is birthing all this beautiful thinking and, 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 and even more thinking to come. Uh, so if, if, if that is being acknowledged, you know, my inner resources or qualities that have the capacity to, to birth good thinking, um, that's the that's sort of, you know, why it, it has sort of been observed to be uh, one of the components that allows us to do that, allows us to keep thinking well for ourselves. What do you think? 
May I offer you some appreciation? Uh, I would love to appreciate how graceful uh, you are with your articulation on some of the most difficult things I'm asking you to articulate. I want to appreciate your grace. There's some appreciation and live action for you there. I just wanted to go back in. Um, and this is a, I think this would be a really lovely one for the listeners to hear. This is, I'm going to give you a question now, which is a typical question that you will hear in a thinking environment. And this is an example of a very kind of open, open question. I just want to, with the themes that we've been talking about with the thinking environment, I just want to ask you, what more do you think or feel or want to say? I'm keeping in mind um, the audience of your podcast and um, the the possibility that most people listening are maybe hearing about the thinking environment for the first time, thanks to your podcast, um, is you know, sign up for a taster session because it is something that just has to be experienced um, and, and treat yourself to that experience uh, of, of being listened to, you know, without interruption and with interest. It's, it's so worth it because it's finding out how much further you can go in yourself and, and just the idea that we may live, you know, a really long life and learn so little about ourselves seems almost like, you know, time wasted. Um, so just, just, you know, that, that opportunity to see how far you can go in your own thinking and build your capacity or reconnect with your innate capacity to do that seems, um, seems like something everybody should have the opportunity to do or, or, or never be denied. Um, their innate capacity to do that so it's it's really doing it for yourself and experiencing it for yourself and, and seeing the value of it and it, it it really is one of the most you know sort of valuable gifts you could offer yourself is what i'm thinking what do you think melted away as you were speaking and then it was beautiful <laughs> and that just leads just leads us so beautifully and nicely onto how can people connect with you find out more about you and what you've got coming up so here's a time for you to kind of plug away thank you katie um well uh, i do have the privilege of running the courses uh, so there's a couple of introductory courses that would introduce you to the work of the thinking environment either in an individual context which is the thinking partnership course a course or group context, which is the foundation course. Um, but you don't have to sign up for a course. Um, in, in my case, I do every other month offer complimentary open taster sessions, uh, usually at times which are suitable for most time zones for people who just want to experience it, you know, and it might be for whatever reason, a one off experience they're looking for at this time. Uh, but I run that every other month. So later on, if there's an opportunity, I can share how you can find out more about that. Um, of course, you can visit the website type to think.com to find out, you know, what courses are being run by various faculty members, you know, around the world. Um, so those are those are some of the courses I offer that the the actual thinking partnership and coaching course is also approved by ICF. 
for those who are also interested in some coach-specific training and getting credentialing by the ICF. So that's another opportunity for them. Uh, but also, you know, the other possibility is if you just want to experience the thinking session um, for the first time, feel free to reach out to Katie or myself, because <laughs> Katie is also a qualified time to think coach. Um, and I'm sure we, we'd be happy to offer you a thinking session if you'd like to experience one for yourself. What do you think, Katie? Thank you. Thank you so much. And I just want to say thank you for joining me today. And, um, thank you for coming on to this. I've been dying, dying to have you on here. And I'm so grateful for, and grateful for you. And uh, thank you for joining me today. May I offer you some appreciation, Katie? <laughs> um, I've had the opportunity to appreciate you many times uh, over the years, but one thing that is coming through for me is uh, I, I always admire your creativity, you know that, but today there's um, a particular quality in your creativity that I'm admiring, and that's, that's the level of sincerity that you bring to everything that you do, every conversation, every relationship is, is palpable, so I really, really admire your sincerity. It's something we can bask in. So thank you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for being with me, Kati. Sweet to you soon. Lots of love. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. If you'd like to experience a transformative thinking environment session for yourself, I invite you to visit my website at katiefishlock.com. There you'll find more information and be able to book your session. Don't miss out on this opportunity to unlock your full potential and gain valuable insights. Visit katiefishlock.com today and take the next step towards personal growth and empowerment. I can't wait to